Hello. Welcome to another VW podcast. This is the Silicon Valley Review. I'm Kevin. With me as always, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. Long time no see. Aaron Turway. How you doing, buddy? Good. Anything new? No. Just How's uh, the baby? Baby is still with us. Do you have people in your family who have never had kids and every time you talk to them, like one week later, they say, is the baby walking yet? No, but if they did, I would not fault them for that because that's something that I always <laughs> ask people before I had kids because I thought it was really funny. And I still think it's funny. Like, Just, I am constantly like disappointed in my son that, that he's not walking yet. Three-month-old baby is not walking. Right. Yet. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was going to be advanced. Turns out, maybe not. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't get too far into Will's development in this episode. Yes. But this is episode three called Huli Smokes. So Aaron and I talked about in the last episode how we really like the writing and some of the jokes and the plot lines that are going on here. I think, Aaron, as I mentioned to you, I just caught up, so I'm I'm through episode four now. Of the episodes one through four, I think this episode is probably the least interesting to me, and there's a lot going on in it. You know, so if this one was the one that was not as good as the other ones, I think that shows how good right. they are. The episode four is just really, really fantastic. So in episode three, you know, Richard had said no to Maximo. First he said yes, then he said no, because then we're going to mine the data. So Maximo does two things. First of all, he gets into business with Lori and Colin, mm-hmm. right? Because now Colin's out. Right. So he gets into business with them. And then Maximo buys shares from Lori and Big Head's dad. So now Maximo owns 30% of the company. Let's talk about these things a few minutes from a legal standpoint, just because this is a legal podcast back up first do we want to discuss sort of the fiduciary duties around saying no to a billion dollar offer okay first of all without going to your board right right no to a billion dollar offer and then secondly what about colin just left one company who knows what his non-compete or non-solicit or non-circumvent might look like well if he's in california there is no non-compete okay there you go excellent point so very easy now what about Lori? who was a board member mm-hmm. for quite a long time. She was still the lead investor, I believe, until she sold the Maximo. And then she's investing in someone who spun out of Pied Piper. I guess now that I'm saying it, probably not a problem. Yeah, I mean, as long as she's not on the board anymore, right. and she's, you know, she's not an employer anyway, sort of affiliated with the company other than being a shareholder. Now, from from a PR perspective, it's definitely not a good look to be a VC that is then jumping ship to a competitor uh, after you've invested in, in a company. So let's just say she were on the board. Most of the documents that we draft, the Series A, Series B documents, they very clearly say that your investors invest in a lot of companies, and mm-hmm. those companies might be like yours, so we can do whatever we want. But let's just say she were on, she was still on the board of Pied Piper, and then Colin spins out, which is you know somewhat competitive to Pied Piper. Could she be a board member on both of those companies? I don't think she could. I think given the fiduciary duty of being a board member you you know have to sort of act in the best interests of the company and when you're dealing with two competitive companies i think it's really hard to say that you are acting in the best interest of a of company a if it's going to mean acting detrimentally to company b i'm with you there so i don't think that could happen however i don't think that would prevent Lori's firm from investing in both of those now Let's talk about legally and let's talk about practically. Right. Practically, there's probably be contractual agreements in place to prevent that. I don't even know if there would be contractual agreements. There would just be, again, it is, it's a bad look for a fund to invest. I view it as when a fund 
decides to invest in a particular company, they are picking their horse for that market. And if a new team comes around with a different company and, you know, the investor wishes they would have invested in that new company, I think that's too bad. I think that's a good point. And there's there's social reasons, there's professional reasons. Legally, I don't think it would be I don't think the statutes, right, Delaware statutes or California statutes would prevent a company from investing in two competitors. Right. Well, and and, and you see in the typical Series A documents, the investor's rights agreement usually includes a carve-out for the lead investor to not be considered a competitor of, right. the, of the company they're, in, they're investing in. But really, there's very small chance Lori would be so close to companies that – or so close, right? It would be lead investors at one point in time in two right. companies that were so close. But that's okay. It's a TV show. They got to come up with some drama. Right. Makes it more entertaining. More entertaining. So Maximo buys shares from Lori and Big Head's dad. Big Head was playing Simon Says. Did you see that? No. <laughs> Just no. Like the simplicity of, as he's sitting there in the uh, in their co-working space in their incubator. In the, what are they, the, the hacker the hacker hostel? Yeah, the hacker hostel. <laughs> Where Jin Yang had all of his buddies. Yeah. The they never address it. What is Jin Yang's business? He didn't. He didn't say. No. He just told Jared it's better if he doesn't. Right. Know. He said, "Remember, it's better if I don't know." And Jared. Oh, we we skipped that in episode two because that's when Jared attacked Richard. Right. Oh, and so then episode three. Yeah. Jared is self-reporting the police. Right. 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 Trying trying to get them to to either arrest him or right. do something because of his assault. Did on, you see when he when he said when he whispered to them, "You effing pigs." Yeah. Right. So complete departure from the flip out Jared had. I still don't quite understand that. But Jared's trying to self-report to the police, and then Jin Yang has just a an army of it looks like stowaways, people who might be undocumented, hiding in his bushes. Yeah, and so I don't get the point there. I'm, no, I'm, I mean I, I don't know if they're going to eventually tie it back to. I guess it was last season where Jin Yang was creating basically the Chinese version of every hot yes, startup. Yes, and I don't know if it, maybe, but yeah. maybe they're out just infiltrating different startups, right? And, I don't know why they would be hiding in the bushes in that case, unless right. they're undocumented, right. right? Okay, so let's see what else goes on in this episode. Dinesh and Guilfoyle go to a bar, and they're just talking, and they run into Dinesh's cousin, mm-hmm. who, you know, Dinesh kind of got real high on himself after there was some success at Pied Piper, and he bought his Tesla, and he had to get better mats in his Tesla than the other guy. And his cousin had started a startup called Bro, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the irony of this stuff is so great. I don't really remember what Bro did. They might have discussed it earlier. Did they have it? Did they mention no, closed captioning, Aaron? They they didn't give any explanation on the closed captioning. It was very helpful to to be able to see what they were saying. Okay, uh, Bro reminds me. Was there an app like five years ago that was like all it did was text people sup? Probably. I think there was, and that's what that's what Bro reminds me. I of. would guess that they have a list of these things, and right. they're just pulling from them. So Bro exited to someone who exited to Snapchat. Yeah, and now the cousins were sixty million dollars, and I think Dinesh has been successful, but I don't think he's sitting on sixty million. No, he's a you know, the cousin's now a double golden millionaire. What is is golden millionaire thirty? I've, ne- I've, I've never no, heard. No, no, I think golden millionaire just means you have your age worth in millions. Ah. so I'm thirty five. I'd okay. have thirty five million. Okay. That I must think, be. I it. don't know. That that would make sense. That kid looked to be about thirty, so that would make sense to me. All right, Aaron. And then Richard runs into Gavin drinking at the park, 
And but not drinking alcohol. <laughs> what was he drinking? I think he said he was drinking like kombucha with ginseng or something. <laughs> yeah. But out of From a, flask. a flask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been great. So poor Gavin. Gavin's lost his company. Or Gavin's in the process of losing his company. And we'll see that at the end of the uh at the end of the show. And then did you see Jared had sent these messages to Richard? Where Jared has like his own emoji things built out. Have you? Did you catch that? Uh, are you referring to Bitmoji? Yes, that, there are Bitmojis. Yeah, you're right. Come Is on. that still a thing? Yeah, I mean, if if you're a 35 year old <laughs> dude and sometimes you want to be funny, yeah, occasionally you might send a Bitmoji. I don't know anybody who actually does that, but just speaking so, hypothetically. So Jared sells his Bitmojis, and then get, he's sending his Bitmojis. Gavin makes a reference. Well, Jared left me for you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And now Jared's leaving Richard for. Quark, Quark, which you can spell Q U A R K. Okay, for Quark. So I'm wondering if this is some progression of genius, Gavin to Richard to Quark, right? And we'll see if they do anything with. with we that. haven't gotten a single word from no. Quark yet, right? No, okay. just some interesting looks. Yeah. <laughs> so my favorite line, maybe. Well, okay. So they use the Cepheus. C- to sell Foxhole to Pied Piper, right? right? So that then Jared or Richard has an out for Maximo. We got to mm-hmm. get rid of Maximo because we own Foxhole and can't have a foreign investment into this Foxhole issue. Richard goes to talk to his attorney, to talk to Ron. Yes. I know you love Ron. Yes. Did you hear when Ron said, can I be honest with you for once? Yes. And Richard <laughs> said, aren't you my attorney? <laughs> uh, I thought that was great. That was a good part. You know, all the other times that Ron, I mean, Ron's been good at giving advice, but it's interesting because Richard was there just to ask for advice, right? right? He wasn't necessarily, how do we do this transaction or what documents do I sign? He was just, I just need company advice. Right. Which I thought was neat because, you know, with us working with a lot of startups, you do a lot of that. There's yeah. just a lot of counseling the company. Right. Which is, in my opinion, that's one of the, the, the better most aspects yeah, of for being sure. an attorney is, you know, not just, hey, I need to do this deal, go, but- Hey, what do you think about this? Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about, we can have some legal discussion here, Aaron. Let's talk about this process of making the offer for Huli and then it actually going through. So if you recall in the episode, Gavin's doing a triathlon, which was the Huli triathlon. Huli cares. Huli cares, yeah. And Gavin has a whole team of people, like he doesn't even get dressed or anything. He just holds his arms out. They just take his gloves off or his shoes off or whatever. And then he's got a stunt double. Dressed up, but <laughs> as, as Gavin said, it looks just like him. Yeah, exactly, like this super handsome yeah. buff guy. So Guilfoyle had somehow tapped into Gavin's smartwatch, I believe, right? Because right? it was a Huli watch, so it's like security flaws everywhere, which or holes everywhere. It, it seems like they were perhaps the, the writers here were ahead of the times because I think didn't Google just buy Fitbit, and so I think Google just bought Fitbit within right. the last you know couple of weeks but this had to have been filmed boy that's interesting you're yeah. absolutely right. right i mean is tech becoming that predictable yes right absolutely yeah. well the google fitbit thing was just announced right so who knows how long they've known about it right but yeah we just learned about it but anyway so yeah that's that's great Aaron. good point so they're tracking gavin as he's going through his triathlon and they know about approximately how many hours it takes and whatnot, and so they use that time to call the board meeting. So, Aaron, if you got if you're going to call a board meeting, how, what are the typical ways you can do it? 
a board member, we'll call it, mm-hmm. um, which, I, you know, we saw Richard call a board member to call the meeting. But I, I don't know. I had questions in this whole, the whole procedure of all of this, given that usually there are requirements as to how much notice you have to give. And, you know, I get there are situations where there are emergency board meetings called. But, yeah, it, it seemed to uh, stretch the imagination. As they have been, because it's theater, most of the bylaws that I see or we draft have a 24-hour right. special meeting notice. I think I have seen done one where it was shorter than that. Right. But, you know, if that's the way the board wants to be governed. So in this one, they had some sort of immediate notice. Amazingly, they're able to circle everyone up on what I presume is a weekend, right, because uh, he's doing his triathlon. And then Gavin had inserted a two-hour block. So he has, if he responds within two hours, he can actually block the sale. Interesting. So, I mean, it sounds like a super founder, right? Right. Right. Not that Gavin's a super guy, maybe a founder super, right, I should call it. And you'll see these things. Yeah. I mean, you know, famously... Zuckerberg had like 100 for one or 10 for one voting rights or 1,000 for one or something like that for his yeah, shares. Yeah, but – well, and I guess they don't make the distinction because they're not trying to appeal to legal nerds like us. But they didn't make the distinction that it was maybe a shareholder right rather mm-hmm. than a, a board, board right. right. Yeah. But it could – if you wanted to draft it that way contractually, it could be done, right? It right. It would be odd. So then they've got to go and get all these signatures in the time frame, you know be- – Because they won't e-sign. They won't e-sign. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You got to run around. Now, when you first started practicing law, oh, yeah. I think you've told me, because you're at a big firm, you did these signing parties, I, right? Yes. We would have a conference room reserved for several days. We'd have multiple copies of each document laid out. So people just kind of come by whenever yep. they can. Did you have to go chase them down and the runners doing it, the paralegals? Are no, you doing I mean, it? normally, you know, well, it depends on where the, the signing is occurring, but normally for your clients, they come and sign at your office. And so you just make sure you have all the documents ready and you have an attorney or a paralegal or somebody ready to help them sign because they've got to sign say 30 documents and they have to sign each document four times because a bunch of different parties want original execution versions of the closing by, you know, this, this is all sort of M&A stuff, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a process. Let me give you a hypothetical here. So they never mentioned how much they bought Huli for. I'm guessing somewhere it's, be, it's between something between 50 and a couple hundred million, but he gave back the cash from Maximo. So I don't, I guess they're paying in shares. I'm not really sure, right. How they did this, but anyway, so let's just say Aaron, that you work for the world's largest law firm and you, you work for the largest law firm in the U.S. and they are all venture studs. So yeah. take one of the top five and say you work for them. And on Monday, they say, we're doing a $100 million deal. Mm-hmm. And here are the terms. Terms are agreed. Not negotiating, but here are the terms. And there's 15 signatures you need to collect by hand on top of the hundreds of pages of documents. What would you say if everyone worked at breakneck speed around the clock, how quickly could that possibly be done? I mean, week or two. I mean, the the quickest. So to give you an example, one of the fastest paced deals that I've ever worked on involved going from a signed term sheet to a initial closing of, I think I want to say it was like eight days. Um, that's and that's ridiculous. And, and that was sort of a team. Can you of, give me a range of what the, you don't have to say the number, but the, the range, what the value, the investment, dollars uh, investment dollars were in the high tens of millions. Uh, but that was all done via e-sign. And, you know, yeah. that, that is, if you have to go around and collect all these signatures by hand and you're not just counting on them to FedEx you the signatures. So yeah, let, let's just, so people understand who are, who might be interested in this. 
I would say the fastest you could possibly turn around, let's just say eight days, which is ridiculous. And then if you have to go collect signatures by hand, that's adding at least another two, if right. not three days. Because even if you have all of the terms agreed to, it's going to take some back and forth with the legal teams to hammer out the the final documents. And then investors are figuring out which entity they're investing in or they're you got to circle up the uh, if you have to the do docs, a, cap- a capital call, a capital call, or if you're paying out, you got to get W nines out and stuff like that. So, yeah, just ludicrous. We've mentioned this before; it's all theater, but it's interesting legal right. conversation. Okay, so the episode ends with Gavin being outwitted by Richard, yeah. right? And Richard's able to get this thing done, and so now they own Huli, which gets rid of Maximo, and I still don't know how much it cost and what the Can we talk cash about was. one of the signatures they had to go get? Monica was sort of giving the guy a hard time. I assumed that they were having to collect board signatures. Granted, in, a, in an acquisition context, you're also going to have to get stockholder yeah, signatures. Yeah, so maybe they're getting like key stockholders. Right, because when he said he had to consult with his wife, it, it made me sort of turn my head because... I was thinking they were the the rush was to get the board, the board signatures, signatures, which wouldn't make sense that he right. need to consult his wife. But if he's a key stockholder and a board member, then that makes sense. But also, I was very surprised by her response, right? Given what's the climate right yeah. now, right? I mean, because women in VC was a huge topic a couple of years ago, and I think that's why they you know introduced Monica and introduced right. Lori and stuff and. I don't know if this was just more to show, talk about Monica's come off as a pretty callous, like right. sharp tooth, money first character. Yeah. And so maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you, man. The The part about that must be a stockholder signature. So we'll just assume that they're getting right. up to a 98% or something like you would typically get. Yeah. To. But just a, a pointer for all the founders out there listening, your board members should never have to consult with their spouses before signing yeah. a board document. That's not how, that's not how the board works, <laughs> right? right? All right. Well, that wraps up episode three, Silicon Valley season six, Huli Smokes. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Check back next week for episodes four and hopefully five. Right, Aaron? Yeah. We get caught up on those. As always, you can check out more podcasts at VelaWoodLaw.com or on Apple Podcasts. We've got a bunch out there that are legal related and some that are sports betting related. Please check them out. And don't forget, rate and review us on Apple. Five stars only, please. Thank you. The Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at